Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. So in this episode we spoke to a spirit main. This is one of the episodes I've really been looking forward to and I've really found it interesting and fascinating on how this person plays spirit because it's definitely helped me out. But before we get into the episode let's check in with Tofa. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Jamie. Thanks for asking. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, Spirit is considered one of those killers that can punish even some of the best survivors, especially if played correctly. I find that she's got quite a generous lunge, and back in the day, maybe even now, she's still considered an A-tier killer, despite having some nerves in some of the most recent patches. But that has really shown in the way that, the way that she plays, especially with her phasing. Her sounds are now omnidirectional. It means you can hear a phasing from any direction. So what about you, Tofa? What are you running these days? Well, Spirit's a pretty underplayed killer of mine. I think I have maybe five or six killers I've played enough of to know a thing or two. Um, but for Spirit, I just I just played her a tiny bit. I leveled her up to 50. I got her teachables because I'm a bit of a completionist. Um, but I did I did try and enjoy her. They start My game started off pretty bad because she does have... A little bit of a learning curve. Um, I I used to think when I was phasing around, I was a little bit closer to the survivors than I thought I was. And when I'd come out of phasing, I would just just be outside of lunge distance. I mean, every killer has their learning curves, and it didn't take too long, at least, to sort of get used to how close I had to be to the sounds. I was also the kind of person who made sure I had Strider as well before they changed it so that Iron Will was the prioritized perk over Strider. Um, Strider working more in the killer's favour back then and being able to fake a phase just to win a loops by standing still was, from the killer's perspective, still pretty funny though. I mean, if you're playing as killer, you'd take whatever easy hits or easy down you can, even if it is arguably one of the most kind of brain-dead ways to get hits back in the day. Overall, I'm kind of glad she had a bit of a power rework. Being able to hear a directional phasing is a big help to actually being able to loop her. And anyone that enjoys playing spirit and would main her would like the thrill of the chase a bit more rather than just walking up to a survivor bonking them on the head and then downing them within like five to ten seconds of a chase actually starting the um the perks i'd run for her back when i did play her i really didn't have a lot going for her again i just got her to 50 and then put on whatever perks i had at the time but um what i did use i had barbecue Mostly for points, but the aura read is always nice to have. Um, Pop goes the weasel for some general aggression. And the only other useful perks I had were agitation and iron will. And I'd use them just to get quicker, get them to the hook quicker and then be able to get into the next chase quicker or maybe rush over to a gen and pop it slightly faster as well. Uh, if I had the luxury of perks to choose, I'd probably go for the good old fashioned like pain resonance and dead man switch combo. Or I'd just do pain resonance and deadlock. If I didn't want to use Dead Man Switch, because I don't see, I don't see those two perks get comboed as much as they used to when they got reworked. But I would like to do some, maybe some totem builds as well, like Devour Hope, Undying, Haunted Grounds. I do think I've said this before in other killers, but I think Hex Pentimento, if it wasn't for boons being as um, meta and prevalent as they are, Hex Pentimento would get so much more use and so much more value. It's just a shame they're hard countered by. Hex per, um, boons altogether, because with her mobility, she could protect the totems a lot easier. She can just let go of the the hexes if they're lethal hexes. It gives survivors the want to get rid of them. So devour undying, they'll they'll notice it once you get those three stacks at least, 
and then you can probably go to them once you've got two or three cleansed totems and just zip to all three of them and and reignite them i do think she's quite powerful and she can be very easy to play but with all the new killers these days that seem to come out you just don't seem to come across that many spirits so moving on to some of the perks that i used to run before i started getting up to p350 just like so far i like to get all my killers up as far as i can bit of a completionist as well but yeah i used to run barbecue and chili sloppy thana and devour so barbecue i want the blood points sloppy it just means we're going to spend a lot longer healing up thana just like to slow down the gens as much as possible and bear in mind this was before um boon totems so you know unless you were bringing in a med kit or whatever you weren't really getting healed and devour hope as well like if you can protect the devour hope and without the boon totems people weren't really cleansing that much and now devour's just not as good as it used to be because of the boon totems uh, but now there are a lot of new people in the game people just want to slam out gens and just basically hide so i, I would say you probably need a general regression build these days anyway at least so now that i've just gotten dead man's switch and pain residents I've, I've stuck that on uh, and sometimes I combo that with Starstruck. But I like to keep barbecue and chili. Because I like to know where people are. Especially once I've hooked someone. I may replace Starstruck with something else. Make your choice could be a good option. So we'll just have to see how that works. Like, I've only just got them recently. So I'll have to give it a go. But yeah I can see it working well. But a map mobility is very good. So I think make your choice would be a very good option. So let's talk about our experiences against the spirit. So playing against her, I used it just used to be one big gamble for the whole trial. It was always a 50-50, is she, isn't she phasing? And you can always tell if she was running strider too, because if you had iron will, you can actually, you can still hear your breathing as soon as the, uh, the game starts. Uh, thankfully, neither of those things are things anymore, and she can now be looped like most killers, now that she's sort of been reined in a little bit. I wouldn't say it's been a harsh nerf for her. I think the devs have handled it quite well, as opposed to other killers they've tweaked, looking at you, Deslinger. However, I have noticed a decline in spirit gamers um, out there ever since it. So my tips for looping the spirit is literally just like any other M1 killer. You just try and loop tiles together if you can, um, play it safe, and... Try and stay out of the tall grass when she's phasing because she'll see the uh, the grass move around and she'll know exactly where you are. Uh, don't leave scratch marks. Walk around if you can. If you happen to have Iron Will, and I'm a big... I, I use it on nearly all my builds. I love Iron Will. Um, you can get away with just walking as long as you stay out of the grass. She will have no idea where you are because Strider got changed to uh, not work when Iron Will is in play. And if you don't happen to have Iron Will then maybe just leave scratch marks in sort of unpredictable places. Make her think twice about where you may or may not be. And that's literally all I kind of do against a spirit. Just um, play as a real normal person. Um, maybe have my game volume turned up so I can hear that directional phasing so I can tell which side of a pallet or which side of a loop she'll be. And I, I'll try and prioritize windows over pallets with them being a very limited resource. How's about you, Jamie? What do you tend to do against a spirit? Yeah, I totally agree. Iron Will really helps when going against the spirit, especially if they're using Strider. But to be honest, not only do you not see many spirits anyway, you don't see many people using Strider because he's just not viable anymore, especially since the nerf. Um, listening to her phasing 
that's the biggest thing. Like, it's all right getting looped around windows and pallets and stuff like that. As soon as she starts to phase, you need to listen for where she's going to be and maybe just walk in the opposite direction. Um, if you run, she's going to see your scratch marks. If you're injured, she's going to see your blood anyway, regardless of whether you run or walk. Um, so I would say if you're fully healed, just walk away, opposite direction, no scratch marks. Um, if you're injured, try and get to a window, pallet. Just make it as hard as possible. But yeah, like Tova said, yeah, you just got to watch out because when she's phasing, she can see the grass moving anyway. Um, so it's just she's just basically an M1 killer that has the ability to be able to phase around. As long as you can counter that, as long as you say near loops and pallets, you've got a decent chance of getting away. But yeah, I think that'll do it. Um, we won't keep you any longer. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. Today, we've got another guest. So first, guest, tell us who you are and who you main. I am T underscore scholar, and I am a spirit man. So back when I first started playing DBD, Spirit was one of the three killers that I kind of picked up. Um, I found that she was very, very strong, very easy to play. And I suppose that's one of the reasons why I picked her up so early on. Um, I wanted to try out some of the other killers and I've been playing since like late 2018. So I left her alone for a while. But what made you pick her up? Right. So Spirit was the first killer that I was introduced to when my friends got me into DBD. Uh, put me in a custom match and just decided to pick that killer. And I'll never forget. They were like, they, like I met up with my uh, friend who was the survivor trying to show me how to play survivor and stuff. And uh, they were like, oh, like on, on the voice call, like with our friend, they were like, hey, are you on your way? They were like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. I was like, what? I don't see anything. And they were like, oh. Oh, are you that killer? And then we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're that killer. I was like, what? What's happening? And then out of nowhere, boom, spirit shows up in front of me. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Yo, this is tight. And then like the animations, like the way that spirit was moving around and stuff like that. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Are all the killers like this? And they were like, well, not really. And, you know, I looked at the other killers and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was never quite as impressed as I was when I first stumbled upon spirit. And uh yeah, ended up picking her up a lot. Uh, I didn't find her as easy to play, though. I had to practice with other killers to understand just like regular mechanics of killer. While Spirit is like a more specialized killer, you need like certain different kinds of knowledge to play her. So, uh, yeah, it took me a while to pick her up. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I it, when When you get the hang of Spirit, she could be very strong, yeah. But that's not really why I picked her. It was kind of just the icing on the cake that she happened to be strong when I picked her up, yeah. It's great to have like a, a, a main for a killer that isn't based on its power or strength alone. Then, isn't right. It? Like you see a killer and you, it's just their, their aesthetics alone that you fall in love with. Yeah, I just thought she was cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Um, is, would you prefer to be called T or Scholar or the full T Scholar? Uh, either is fine. Most people call me T. Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show, T. It's great to have you here. Of course. Uh, should we start with your build? So if you're playing to win and you wanted to be as efficient as you possibly could, uh, what would your go-to perk build be? And can you run us through the synergy of the perks with your killer's power, if there happens to be any? Sure. So 
as of late, my, my build has changed a lot over time, but there are certain things that have always stuck around and uh, I consider it like I've always enjoyed having some kind of uh, personality to anything I do, like whether it's music or a build on spirit, anything like that. Uh, so I always was like looking for the perfect build and eventually after much messing around with different perks and builds, uh, what what I've currently running right now, if you typically watch a match that I'm playing, is my quote unquote meta. It's not really like what you would expect to see most of the time I would expect, but I mean, it's kind of meta. Uh, it's Rancor, Surge, or well, Jolt now. Uh, Barbecue for the blood points, although the aura reading is nice. Deadlock would be a possible substitution for barbecue, probably a better choice anyway. And then lastly, no way out. And the entire premise is you intend on hooking everyone at least once, which is great for the survivors. Everyone gets to have fun, you know, and <laughs> at least the obsession gets to interact with the killer at least one time, supposedly, unless if everything goes wrong and, you know, the gens get done too quickly and then what you what you have at the end of the match is no way out giving you a buffer zone and it's almost like a it's almost like an extra gen that they have to do but they don't have to do it they just have to wait and it gives you time to more the obsession with rancor or get another hook state so typically what i'll do is i'll just go around trying to get downs uh surge allows me to not have to worry about kicking the gens because with spirit i'm very focused on chase i'm not using my power for map mobility. I'm using my power for 1v1 and chase potential. So most of the time I'm going around with Surge and Barbecue, and that's pretty much it. And then Rancor also is a very good information perk, and a lot of people don't realize that. They just think of the Mori at the end. But typically what I'll do is I'll hook everybody at least once, and then I'll start to think, okay, uh, as I'm hooking people, like who's dead on hook? And at two gens remaining, I'm like, all right, I need someone dead by this point. And then at one gen remaining, I need a second person dead. And then once all the gens get done, I find the obsession, Mori them, and then I can deal with the last survivor or, you know, something along those lines. And uh, it's it all really culminates into this big shebang at the end of the match. That's typically how uh, a good match for me on Spirit will go. You know, it's not really like, oh, I need uh, I'm just going to win the game at five or four gens, you know, like, no, it's usually like the match will progress over time and there will be this strat where I'm like, OK, that's the obsession. I haven't hooked them yet. I should hook them or, oh, it's the obsession and I've already hooked them. So I'm going to go for this other person instead. It's it's this kind of uh, focusing. T it, it kind of fo it forces me to focus targets. It's like reverse tunneling where I'm quote-unquote tunneling everyone but the obsession but i do at least try to hook the obsession one time and uh you know through the duration of the match someone's dead on hook this other person's dead on hook once the gens are almost done i start thinking okay i gotta find this person because they gotta go you know that's the general principle of what i go for lately the, the new killer came out uh the onryo i call her the onion <laughs> and uh I've been, <laughs> I've been oh me too i call her oreo Right, right, right. Now, I've been enjoying her, and uh, I think she's really strong, and she's like a whole different monster where, like, <laughs> Spirit is 1v1 chase potential. Her power is chase, while Onryo is, like, map mobility, but not so much chase. Like, you could use Spirit's power for map mobility, but it's not the most efficient way to use her power. 
or you could use Onryo's TV teleportation ability for Chase, but it's kind of hit or miss depending on what direction the TVs are facing and what the survivors decide to do and if they're paying attention, you know? So I like that differentiation between the two. But Spirit in particular, which we're talking about here, is like a very 1v1 killer. So, you know, you just want to excel in Chase and do well in Chase and have that benefit you throughout the duration of the match, pretty much. That's the idea. And that build, uh, Rancor... Surge, Jolt, Barbecue, and No Way Out. That's been the build that I'll run typically. And if I really was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm playing like a serious match. I need to try and win. I would still run that build because I've already played so many matches with that build. That's what I'm used to doing. You, you say that you run um, Rancor um, because of the informational perk. Couldn't you just run Bitter Murmur or do you really want the Insta down? So here's a couple things about Bitter Murmur. First of all, it's auras, right? So, you know, Rancor has the bubbles, they pop up and you see them while you're phasing. So sometimes if you're mid phase and a gen pops, you'll still see that information and it can help you out. It can help you get it down. So there's that. But there's another thing, uh, particularly pertaining to Bitter Murmur that I don't like, which is simply, if you think about it, okay, a gen pops off in the distance or wherever it pops and you get aura information around the gen that just popped that's not really necessarily the most relevant information for you as a killer what are you going to do you're going to go and defend the gen that just got done or are you going to go after somebody who just finished a gen or would you rather go for somebody who's somewhere else doing another gen that's about to pop soon that you could possibly go and prevent so rancor is actually giving me information like that where i'm able to you know get them off of the gens that i need to get them off whereas bitter murmur i feel like you know Unless if you really just want the aura reading, you know, if you're playing Huntress or something like that, then it makes sense, sure. But like, not for spirit. I've, I've, and then to take away the whole Mori thing at the end of the match is kind of like, it's, it's taking away from my fun, essentially. Because it's one of those things that I just look forward to every match that I play Rancor with. I'm like, you know, hey, if they have, I'm almost rooting for the survivors. Like, I hope they get the gens done so then I can, like, you know, make a show of it at the end. So the perks that you uh, that you use specifically Rancor and No Way Out, they're great perks, and they you know that they have a good place in anyone's build. But do you find that survivors are just more immersed immersed when when they realize you got Rancor, and at the end when No Way Out pops, how do you deal with that? Oh, absolutely! I can't tell you how many times I've seen No Way Out pop, and you know it shows you which gate No Way Out. Mm-hmm. Set. So then you go over there and I'm not like I'm, I'm not seeing any scratch marks. I'm not seeing any survivors walking around. I'm checking all the corners. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's a couple lockers around here. Let me try like, like often enough, the first locker I check. <laughs> Boom, there's the obsession. And too often they DC because of that. But yeah, <laughs> it's 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 moments like that, honestly, that just further drive home the point that this combination makes the game more fun for me. It makes it more um yeah, I mean, it could be frustrating if they immerse, and that would be the counterplay, yeah. Uh, and people have done it before, and it's unfortunate when it happens, but it doesn't happen often enough like that uh, to diminish the factor of fun. And, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if a survivor happens to do the right thing and they immerse and they, you know, I can't find them, and they happen to actually get the gate open and they escape good for them and i you know i give them their props and kudos but at the end of the day i'm i know without a doubt and i've heard from the survivors themselves they come into my chat and they're like hey yo 
I was sweating. I was so scared. You had rancor and no way. Oh my goodness. You know, it's great. Now, as soon as I get that exposure sound effect from Rancor, it just <laughs> strikes. They just, they're terrified. Oh, yeah. I'm and, definitely like that with Rancor. Yeah. And and you know what? After people play, like what well, you said, uh, I looked at your thing. You said you have like 3K hours. I have about 3K hours myself. When you reach a certain point in DBD, not even 3K hours, I mean, you reach like 100 hours. You, you're not usually scared at things anymore. Like when you first started playing the game, you know, when I first started playing the game, a lot of the stuff in the game scared me. Now it's really rare that something in the game scares me, but Rancor will still give that bone chilling factor of like, oh goodness, I have to deal with this now. <laughs> like, It's scary. And it's nice to give survivors that fear that they might have once felt, you know, when they first, like, so a lot of people want that. A lot of people want that feeling, but, you know, I've also had plenty of people who are not so grateful that I run Rancor and give me a lot of, uh, mess about it but it is what it is it's worth it okay so now that you've just run through your perk build do you have any other perk builds in case people don't have certain killers unlocked like for example some of the free ones right so if you have none of the well i mean this is for spirit right yeah spirit so this is assuming that they have spirit uh rancor obviously that is a spirit perk Haunted Grounds is also a decent perk, but um, honestly, uh, Unrelenting is actually not a bad perk on Spirit. As a Spirit myself, I find myself uh, swinging, even if, like, I'm, I'm never worried about, oh, I'm going to look bad if I whiff or if I miss. Like, nah, it, you, you got to swing at things to take a chance, especially when you can't see. You're phasing, you can't see. Sometimes you have to assume they're camping a pallet. You just swing through it. If they're there, if they're there, they're there. They get hit. If they're not, they're not. You know, you follow your ear. You swing at it. If you were wrong, you were wrong. But unrelenting can be a fun perk to play around. Uh, nurse is calling from the nurse. I mean, I know I said that thing about the auras with bitter murmur earlier, but um, if you happen to get nurse's calling value. You just see the aura and it kind of tells you where you need to go. So then you phase over to the aura and boom, you get a hit. So uh, Nurse's Calling is a good one. Um, Enduring is a decent one. And that's from Billy. Billy, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could run uh, Enduring and Spirit Fury because Spirit Fury is a spirit perk. And, you know, that's like a classic combo, right? Yeah, those are a couple ideas. I mean, you could definitely still play with... uh, you know, non-teachables, but I do recommend Rancor at the end of the day still. Okay, well, this is my favorite question in the whole episode. Um, everybody likes to have fun and let their hair down, and at the end of the day, Dead by Daylight is just a game, and it's meant to be for fun. So are there any sort of fun meme builds that you use, anything to sort of stray away quite a bit from the current meta? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, when I mentioned before how I was looking for the perfect build, I I wasn't lying. I was actually kind of obsessed about that. I have like a running Google Doc of like so many builds that I've tried over my course of time playing DVD and stuff like that. And there's a couple there's a couple favorites on there that I've had some really good moments with. Uh, one is like a general like a generally good one, but there's another one uh, that I had such a ridiculous match with. Uh, that I like put it on YouTube and stuff. It was, I'm trying to see if I can pull it up actually, because uh, I have it in this Google Doc. But for the time being, first of all, I have one build called Survivors Gone Wild, 
which I've had like just a general good time with. And uh, already in love with the title of that one. Right. So it's Survivor's Gone Wild because it's like Survivor's hot, live and exposed at all times. So it's like make your choice, haunted, devour, starstruck. And um, yeah, actually, I think it was something similar to that build just with like a little infectious fright and stuff like that built into it where I had like a it was on Hawkins, too. It was a straight up slugfest. Nobody had unbreakable. The match was over within like a minute because they immediately popped haunted grounds and i was just like going around it was great uh yeah and uh the one of the survivors poor dude he was a fellow twitch streamer so i got to see his perspective on it and uh he ended up making about 300 points (laughs) and uh that is the least amount of blood points i think i've ever seen in a match aside from like somebody dcing and somehow still getting blood points you know (laughs) and uh yeah yeah no i ended up making friends with that guy too so but uh, yeah survivor's gone wild build i think that's a really fun build that actually you could probably run on most killers and have a lot of fun with you could probably run that on nurse and have a lot of fun with it um used to run a chain obsession build that was like dead man switch furtive chase barbecue make your choice and uh rare beads you know the add-on but like Dead Man Switch was changed, so the whole obsession thing isn't really relevant anymore. Um, oh, here was the slug built that I had. It was Knockout, Third Seal, Haunted Grounds, and Infectious. So <laughs> this whole this whole premise was like, okay, if you knock someone down, people can't see the aura of the slug unless if they get really close. But then Third Seal is there too, so they can't see hooks. And then if they get close to the slug, they can't see that either. Yeah, that was a fun one. And obviously uh, Haunted Grounds and Infectious and Prayer Beads just to give the general panic to the whole map, yeah. Okay, so this is going to depend on the perks that you use. But with any killer, you like to use the same set of add-ons. What would you say works well together? What would you recommend and what would you say is worth avoiding? Okay. Um, right. So you have, I have a whole video about that too. My add-on tier list. And uh, yeah, I've had to make that since they changed the add-ons for Spirit. I recommend the yellows and browns for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first of all, the yellows and browns are the ones that didn't change. And those are, in my opinion, her good perks that remain. There's a couple of green ones that stuck around that are good. The Rusty Flute and the other one that has the reappearance duration and speed. Those are both good. But uh, my favorite add-on is the yellow ribbon for the uh, quicker phasing activation speed. And, um, you know, any yellow can fit alongside that yellow speed, yellow duration. Even the the Bonsai, the little uh, passive phasing one actually does a lot more than one might expect and then the browns too are nice you can combo the brown comb which is basically the yellow ribbon just the brown version and uh, not as effective and you can stack them together to effectively give you the same value as if you had the old green add-on which used to be the bloody hair brooch you would have uh one of those if you used the yellow ribbon and the brown comb i would advise against using the iridescent, you know, mother-daughter ring, Yakuyoki amulet, cherry blossom. I would advise against using those, except for every once in a blue moon or on a rainy day where you really feel like, you know, as you say, let your hair down. Uh, and 
part of the reason for that, honestly, is because one, you'll get used to running those add-ons and then you'll feel like you need those add-ons. And two, it's not lucrative or economical to be using add-ons like that every match. It's like, imagine if you could only play Scratch Mirror Myers and, oh, okay, time to go back to the blood web and get another Scratch Mirror. It's the same thing where with Spirit, you know, if you can do well with yellows and browns or no add-ons, then uh, you can save yourself a lot of blood points, which will surely go into the massive grind that we all know DBD is. And uh, uh, that being said, I don't advise <laughs> not using add-ons. I think that's the opposite extreme where that takes part of the fun away. Like similarly to where it's fun to mess around with different builds and find builds that work for you, it's also fun to mess around with different add-ons. So I don't think I'm I'm not trying to give this approach of like, oh well, less is more and you know, uh you know, if you're really good then why even use add-ons, bro? Like I'm not trying to be like that about it. I'm just saying like too many people uh, especially like directly after the change to spirit has been like, oh, well, now you need Mother Daughter Ring. Now you need Yakioki Emulator. Now you need Cherry Blossom. I disagree with that heavily. Yeah, add-on add on and perk shaming is a bit silly really in the game, isn't it? Like they're there to be used. You spend your blood points on them. Why shouldn't you use them? Exactly. So when going into a match, what strategy do you use? Or does it depend on the map and perks? Uh, What strategy do I use? Well... Uh, like I mentioned before, it's uh, pretty much I'll find somebody to chase. I will try to down them as quickly and as efficiently as I can. And, um, you know, I will then attempt to move away from the hook and find somebody else with barbecue information or whatever. And uh, hopefully the survivors don't like if the survivor unhooks the person that I hooked before I managed to find someone else to chase or initiate chase with somebody else, if that makes any sense, then I will go back to the hook and I will try to prevent them from healing under hook. And um, uh, that goes into my philosophy of as a killer, it is your job to punish survivors for making mistakes. And all too often survivors feel comfortable just unhooking, not even worried about the killer. They're not scared at all. And then they'll heal under hook and then continue going about their gen rush business. Like it's your job as the killer to pressure gens and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's other things that it's also your job as killer. It's your job as killer to punish survivors for making mistakes. And, uh, you know, I remember there was a tome challenge that I had to do one time where I had to get an iridescent emblem in a specific category. I can't remember which category it was. But uh, when I looked up the category, I remember what stuck out to me was preventing survivors from healing each other is how you get the better emblem of that category. And I was like, wow, OK. So then I actually like <laughs> it, it's cool how some tome challenges are, you know, some some tome challenges are really bad, but some tome challenges actually do uh, enlighten you to certain things about the game that you otherwise wouldn't have explored. And uh, that actually upped my game quite a bit when I realized that stopping survivors from healing each other is uh, kind of a crucial segment of your job as killer. And often enough, finding them healing under hook is a big part of that. And I catch people doing that all the time and they get mad at me about it. Oh, you're camping, blah, 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 tunneling. Blah, blah. Nah, it's not really. That's just let that fly by the wayside. At the end of the day, it's in your best interest to at least in my case, the way that I play my strategy, which is what you were asking about. Make sure that 
if you get back to some survivors who are healing, if you just go after the person who was healing and not the person who's getting healed, what will happen is that person who was getting healed will go and find somebody else and they'll be like 99 on their heel or something silly like that. And then they'll just get healed. Whereas if you actually down the person who's getting healed, you're taking away a lot of time and progress from the survivors that they were just doing. So, you know, I get accused of tunneling for that. But honestly, that's a more efficient thing to do uh, on spirit in particular. I find myself not worrying about gens. I'm not thinking about generators. And like I said before, sometimes I'm even like egging them on to actually do the gens. I want them to do the gens because I can get the Rancor No Way Out value. Uh, yeah, I just focus on getting downs as quickly as and efficiently as I can. And, um, you know, if, if I find myself getting a lot of hook states and the gens are not getting done, then I'll start thinking, OK, well, let me make sure I get my four barbecue stacks. You know, let me make sure I get my four no way out stacks. Let me, uh, you know, spread hooks around and stuff like that. But if the gens get done too quick, then I have to start thinking, OK, who have I hooked already? I have to start hooking them more and try and get someone out of the game by two gens remaining. Like it definitely matters how the match is going. Uh based on like that that'll how that'll determine how i'll decide what i'm going to do as a killer but also at the end of the day uh i'm not very picky even though i've just outlined that it would make sense that i am quite picky at the end of the day i will also typically go for whatever is easiest and what is most within reach i'm not gonna purposefully ignore a survivor because i feel bad unless if i already feel like i'm winning which in most cases is never really determined until well into the match and uh you know if i see a survivor running in front of me and they're, they're in a dead zone i'm gonna go for that if there's another survivor that's closer than that but they're closer to a pallet closer to a window but i think i can land a hit i'm gonna go for that basically whatever's closest trying to get as much downs as i can i always felt that getting downs and uh putting people on hooks is the ultimate gen defense if that makes any sense all right, so that's a very sort of like bare bones kind of strategy, really, isn't it? Like spirit sees survivor, yeah. spirit chases survivor, survivor goes on hook. Yeah. Um, so there's not really a lot of, uh, there's not really much to do like counterplay wise for that. But say like, is there anything that makes you change your play style based on anything the survivors do? Or do you, is that just, do you go into a match and is, is that it? Do you ever change your play style based on what survivors do? Well, for the most part, the play style remains the same and it adjusts according to what survivors do, yeah. It, but how it adjusts is based on what mistakes they make. And if they don't make any mistakes, then everything I just talked about is typically going to happen the way that it happens. Now, on the contrary, you know, if survivors three-gen themselves and, uh, you know, I'm, like, starved for hooks or something like that, then I'll have to, you know, play around the three-gen or something like that. But, you know, typically, even in a case scenario like that, at the end of the day, like, I just feel like it's more efficient to just try to get a try to get a hook, put someone on a hook, make someone have to save. That takes them off a gen typically, or they can commit to it. And I think it's similarly, like what I was saying about punishing mistakes, it's important to notice like if you hook somebody and they're reaching close to second stage and survivors are getting greedy on their gens and they're popping their gens before they go for the save, try and cut them off. Try and prevent them from getting to the save before that person hits stage two. Make them uh you know, actually have to pay for their greed on the gens and, you know, then they might consider that a mistake. Otherwise, it isn't a mistake, is it? It's an outplay. 
you know, now that being said, there are ways to outplay spirit, but uh, play style wise, nah, I I tend to play spirit in that way where I'm focusing on hooks. And honestly, uh, I used to worry about gens and stuff like that more. Uh, once I stopped worrying about gens quite so much, I found that not only did I play better and do better in my matches, but I actually felt better. Like I had a more easygoing experience about the game in totality and had a lot of more fun as a result. And uh, if there was anything I would advise new players in particular when it comes to DBD, not spirit specific, but just killer in general, don't worry about gens. Just focus on like practicing what it what what, what you have to do as a killer, basically. And, you know, do it. Do what you got to do. Uh, don't be worried about how it's perceived you know just try not to be the nice guy killer either because then you'll end up uh paying the price for that you'll get outplayed and uh you know there's plenty of nice survivors out there but too many survivors will just rub it in your face and say hey look i outplayed you and it's like well i was trying to play nice and it's like no you're easy gg easy baby killer and all that stuff so yeah soul winners everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah it's unfortunate but it is what it is so, with the release of Boon Totems, many killer mains really hate them. What do you think about them? What do you think to the totem spawns? And how do you think they can be improved? I hate them. Yes, I do hate them. Uh, <laughs> totem spawns? Not really sure about... Not really sure what to say on that one. Uh, I feel like totem spawns have always been very hit or miss. And in a lot of circumstances, really bad. Um, and I also feel like totem spawns have shifted over time. Like, I feel like the devs perhaps have been like, you know, gradually, you know, every now and then they'll just like move them around a little bit and then people will get used to the new location points and spots where you can find the totems at and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't really have a big opinion on totem spawns other than that they can be very bad. And in particular, they're very bad for the killer often enough. Uh, before I was actually running lethal pursuer instead of surge slash jolt on my spirit build and uh i can't tell you how many times i've seen survivors spawn literally right on top of some totem that i decide to bring into the match you know and uh yeah i mean i know for a fact totem spawns can be bad but i i don't i don't even know if that can really be helped honestly i think that at its core uh survivor boons are stronger than killer hexes and once you find the hex totem of a killer that's it it's gone and it's gone forever uh no matter how strong it either is or you think it is as a killer perk but a survivor perk being the boon totem they put it down you snuff it out and then they can put it back or put it on a different totem i'm really not a fan of that and when boon totems first came out i my immediate reaction and my immediate response to it when i played it in the ptb was why is this not breaking the totem? Like when you snuff out the totem, one from a lore perspective, you're like, let's say you're playing Trapper. It gives you the hatch closing animation. You're literally stomping the totem. How does that not break it? As a spirit, you are shoving your sword into the boon totem like you're putting out a cigarette. How is that not breaking the totem? Like, is it some kind of like reverence for the entity's stuff where you don't want to break it? I don't understand. But meanwhile, a survivor just sits there and, you know, fiddles with it and boom, the totem breaks. Like, I don't understand that. But anyway, anyway, that aside, lore wise aside, uh, in terms of functionality, uh, 
as of now, the devs have been going about like just, you know, adjusting Boon Totem specifically, uh, you know, as in a case to case basis where it's like they messed around with uh, Circle of Healing. And uh, I suppose they're going to look into some other Boon Totems as they come along. But as of now, they've been just saying, no, it's working as intended. This is exactly what we wanted. And I'm just like losing my mind over that because honestly, my as much fun as I have in DVD, I will admit my uh, quality of life went down significantly when Boon Totems came out. And Boon Totems came out, funnily enough, at the same time that Spirit had the big change over where survivors could hear her phasing and her add-ons were changed and all of that. Uh, yeah, like it, it was just it was a weird time all around. But at the end of the day, uh, it was easier for me to stomach the spirit changes than it was for me to stomach the boon totems. And the boon totems have kind of been a problem for me ever since. But uh, it's not like it didn't render the game unplayable or anything like that. It's just as just a thing where I'm like, I wish it did this, but it doesn't. But it is what it is. It's whatever. You know, I can still play the game and have fun. But, uh, you know, personal opinion, I think killers should be able to just break the totem all together when they break it or when they snuff it. Uh, and I understand a lot of people don't agree with that. And they think that that's either too simple of an idea or they think that would be too strong for the killer. Um so I've heard a lot of convoluted ideas like, oh, well, then the Boon Totem can get tokens and stuff like that and blah, 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 whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop. -whoop. But my argument for that is, one, it's if you think about it, it should be easy for the devs to implement a simple coding change where snuffing Boon Totem equals breaking Totem. That would be easy code-wise compared with like, okay, where you got to set up a three token, blah, blah, blah. Like all the convoluted ideas that I've heard about uh what they could do with boon totems to make it more balanced for killers and stuff like that just seems like a way more complicated thing of like what could already just be okay snuff the totem break the totem you know and here's here's another big part of this argument for me that i have to put out there when they first put out the boon totems and i made the argument that they should break when you snuff them i think it's important to understand this too circle of healing was strong before they nerfed it, it's still strong now, honestly, in my opinion, but they could have kept it as strong as it was. Hell, they could have buffed it. If you can break it, if you can break the totem and they can only put it on the map five times, it would make survivors have to actually think about where they're putting the boon totem instead of just spawning in, putting a boon and then, you know, working on a gen. Oh, they snuffed it. Oh, OK, go boon it again. And then, you know, oh, either you have a three gen, but then the whole team can just keep going back to the boon totem and take turns self-caring or heal all at once and reset real easy. Like that's really powerful stuff. And if it was more strategic where they have to actually be careful about where they put it, and if the killer finds it and gets rid of it, then that's a big deal. That would change the whole tone of boon totems significantly. And I've actually thrown out ideas of boon totems that could potentially be in the game if they made boon totems breakable instead of snuffable, such as, uh, like, think Metal of Man is a boon totem. Like, just imagine you're hitting survivors over and over and they're not taking any damage. They're just getting Metal of Man back to back. You cannot injure a survivor because they are in a boon totem zone. That sounds ridiculous, right? Not to me, as long as you can break the totem. But this this whole snuffing the totem thing is considerably worse than 
any imaginary stuff that I just brought up, in my opinion. That's just that's just my two cents on it. That's my whole two cents on Boon Totems. Yeah, I don't like Boon Totems. They would have to change the time, though, because snuffing a totem out compared to a survivor cleansing it is a massive difference. You mean cleansing a hex or putting the boon down in the first place? Well, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're saying snuffing a totem out, mm-hmm. uh, literally it takes, what, about one second to do? Whereas a survivor to get rid of your your hex takes some right like 20 seconds is it 16 around about that 16 16 yeah but a killer's time is four times more valuable than a survivor's anyway exactly exactly there's four survivors and one killer now if they wanted to okay do some silly stuff where it's like okay you can break the totem instead of snuffing it now but you do the hatch closing animation in like super uber slow motion i'd still take it I'd still take that if that was what needed to be done, you know, or if I had to do skill checks as a killer, fine. I'll be a survivor for like a split second to do a boon totem. Still would rather have that than what's currently going on with boon totems. And again, like like uh, like you just said, yeah, there's four survivors and there's one killer. A killer is constantly going around doing this, that or the other. Survivors have time to think. Killers, not so much. Uh, yeah, that would be my side of the equation. I understand if I'm, you know, uh, disagreed with on any front. That's understandable. I don't think I, I'm speaking any... Imp- it's always going to happen no matter what you say. Right, exactly. I'm not speaking in imperatives. It's purely based on opinion and experience, just, uh, you know, from how the game goes for me. So it's no big deal. Well, you've been playing Spirit for a long time. So in that time, have you had any, like, really memorable, memorable matches that are... Uh, that's something you've pulled a match back from an, an almost absolute loss. You've had an interaction with maybe a high profile content creator. Anything you'd like to share? Um, well, I've been putting up compilation videos of, uh, you know, pog moments. But um, just off the top of my head, when I when I think of that question, what comes to mind the most is, well, that slugging match that I had uh, that I also put on YouTube back when we had Hawkins you know, rest in peace, Hawkins. But, uh, you know, some of my favorite moments and most memorable moments, honestly, <laughs> is back when Spirit could do what I call the standstill tech, where you could, like, stand still at a window and wait for the survivor to vault back into you. And I would just stand there and I would, like, I would talk to... Th- I know the survivor can't hear me, but, you know, I felt like it would help. It, it always helped if I just was like, do it. Do it, Dwight, do it. Vault the window. Yes, good boy. And then get the down. It was always a fun time. <laughs> and I'll always miss that and getting grabs off of gens. Both of those things are uh, just different now that spirit's been changed. For that to work at a window, the survivor has to either be really, really gullible or new or uh, panicking. Or I have to force it by actually phasing around and, you know, letting them hear the phase sound. And then they freak out and vault the window. So it's like a standstill tech with uh, a little bit of effort and then getting grabs off of gens uh it's still possible but a lot harder to pull off uh you have to bring like the the prayer beads uh, the, it's not called prayer beads anymore they changed the name of it but i still call it prayer beads i think they call it furin or something like that uh where Ots darva covered it once it's a case where if you start phase from what used to be the sweet spot where they used to not hear any phasing sound now they'll hear the phasing sound and if you have prayer beads on 
then uh, they won't hear any directional phasing. They won't hear the phasing getting any louder as you approach them, and you can still get a grab off a gen like that. But, um, uh, yeah, if you don't have prayer beads on, oddly enough, they'll hear the directionality no matter where you phase from or if you're at that sweet spot or whatever. But, yeah, a lot of my pog moments in the past uh, that aren't really achievable in the same way anymore are unfortunately some of my favorite moments in dbd and they're just gone forever pretty sad i suppose when you mentioned about um taking the doing the phasing at the window you mentioned about and making them vault that window i suppose that's the only instance that add-on where you can teleport back to your husk will get any real value oh oh yeah 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 they uh yeah see so (laughs) Ah, oh, ah, oh, that add-on in particular is just such a mess. So first of all, um, I would rather just like hold my phase in place or move and then go back to my husk manually because then I can actually like listen keenly to their footsteps and uh, hear whether or not they're moving and which direction they're moving. And then here's another thing about that add-on that I really don't like: the one that the purple one that takes you back to your husk, uh, the Wakazashi. I think it's the wakazashi right a purple wakazashi or something like that wakazashi saya i think it was uh, it used to be the reappearance add-on but now it takes you back to your husk here's the big thing about that add-on that i don't like okay when you hit the active ability button you are facing where you were when you press the button instead of like redirecting where you're facing when you originally started your phase like oh that's gonna be off putting yeah 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 yeah. like that was the thing that really messed me up about that add-on where i messed around with it a little bit and um you know i like when i when i start my phase there's like a snapshot in my mind of what the environment before me looked like and uh like let's say i'm at like a tno wall and i start my phase at the uh the edge of the l like in the middle of the uh of the tile and then i phase around trying to mind game them and i hear them coming around the t and they're coming back through the middle and then i hit my active ability button to kind of like go back towards them but now i'm facing the opposite direction of where i was originally facing because when i when i press the button mid phase i was now facing the opposite direction and yeah it's just it's unfortunate that they made it work like that if they could change that add-on to work where you're facing where you were when you originally started phasing, I think that would be a lot better. So with the many hours that you've got in spirit, what advice would you give to new players or even your past self? I wouldn't give any advice to my past self, but for new players, um, I would say try to keep tabs on how much you're phasing. Don't be too liberal about holding on to your phase when you're phasing. Don't focus too much on pinpointing. I mean, that's a mistake I used to make, but the reason I wouldn't tell myself anything in the past is because I had to learn those things myself to even realize at some point, oh, well, I need to do this. So, you know, mistakes are going to happen for new players. and uh, But for, for their sake, yeah, like trying to keep things to short phases can help a lot. Um, do a long phase or like, you know, hold on to your phase. If you need to catch up with a survivor, because just, you know, if they're shift Wing and you have to, catch up with them as a 110 movement speed killer that could be very painful and take very long um but if you feel like you're not that far away from them and you're catching up to them eventually and they're getting to like a pallet loop or a window or something like that 
that you can mind game around, then, you know, use your power around loops and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, try to keep in mind that I think it's, uh, what, 25 seconds? Uh, the recovery time of uh, Spirit's power by default without add-ons? I think it was. Not sure about that. It might be 25 seconds or something like that. But it's a notable feeling. Maybe it was 20 seconds. I can't remember. I remember. Or was it 15? I can't remember. I remember I did the math at one point and I was like, okay, so based on the recovery time of Spirit's phasing and her ability to phase for a certain amount of time by default without add-ons, right? You can phase like about a quarter of the match something along those lines so only for a quarter of the match can you be phasing around for the remainder of that time that you're around you have a 110 movement speed killer you have a hag with no traps you have a huntress with no hatchets you have a deathslinger without a gun like it's it's just not lucrative to chase survivors normally in forehead without your power as a spirit so you know try to keep your power available uh, as much as you can and don't focus too much on oh i need to hit them if i'm coming out of my phase or else i'm not good no often enough i'll use my phasing to readjust my position and potentially catch them off guard or at the very least get within striking distance so that if i follow them and chase them for a little bit longer then i'll eventually get an m1 not immediately but you know i'm just getting a little bit like a closer distance upon them so i can actually make my way towards them uh yeah like consider using your phase uh conservatively and um yeah i mean uh, there'll be times where you'll want to phase for map mobility uh you know to get to a gen if you really want you're really worried about it uh getting completed or if a survivor has a lot of distance on you you want to catch that up that's fine sometimes you got to do that just keep in mind that the cooldown of spirit, uh, her phasing, her cooldown of her phasing is her ultimate weakness more than anything. And uh, the best of survivors will keep tabs on how much you phase and they'll use that information accordingly. And they will loop you very efficiently because you're a 110 movement speed killer. Anytime I play survivor against a spirit, uh, I am very much surprised at how much I can get away with at loops against her when her power is on cooldown and uh yeah no that's pretty much uh the best advice i can give a new player on spirit honestly and i give that advice all the time i get that question a lot i always say the same stuff so with all the um all the different tiles in the game you've got your jungle gyms your lt walls your long walls killer shack even the main building on whatever map you happen to be on do you have like a favorite tile you like to play well uh I know for a fact that on Survivor, my favorite tile to play on is a TNL wall. As a killer, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I'm trying to think. As a killer, though, um, I definitely like to avoid main buildings. Mm -hmm. Those are always painful as a killer. Uh, killer Shack is all right. Killer Shack is all right. A lot of the tiles are fine as a spirit if you, you know, you have your power and you know what you're doing with it. Um... Honestly, I think maybe maybe Shaq. Probably, yeah, Shaq is a fun one. Um, you know, Cowtree can be interesting. Just I'm just thinking of the mind games in my head that usually go down with the short phases and, you know, predicting what people are going to do. 
Shaq is usually a really predictable one. Cowtree is usually a really predictable one. TNL walls are actually a little less predictable um, as a spirit and as a killer. Um, as a spirit more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of up in the air what would be my favorite as a killer. But I do have a fond appreciation of TNL walls. I'll say that. So MMR has been in the game for a while now. Um, have you noticed a significant change in your game since it has been implemented? Yes and no. Uh, it's still rather random sometimes. Uh, the kind of survivors that I'll get matched with. But there has been more consistency in the sweat on my main and any killers that I probably have higher MMR on. Um, but sometimes I will have occasions where it's like I'll play a spirit match and there will be like a decent squad, nothing too fancy. Uh, you know, maybe a baby or a potato or two. And uh, then I'll go and be like, all right, well, just for whatever, I'll, I'll just play like a killer that I don't normally play like pig or something like that, that I, you know, my, should have a low MMR on. And suddenly I find myself playing against the same group of meta survivors that I remember playing against the other day, like on spirit. And it makes no sense to me why stuff like that happens. And from what I hear, it happens to a lot of people just like that. Uh, like in my community, other killer mains dealing with stuff like that, saying that they're playing killers that they don't normally play and yet they're getting like really tough squads for no reason. And then they play their main and they're getting babies for no reason. Like, But uh, as someone who plays a considerable amount and uh, plays a considerable amount of the same killer, I do notice more consistency in what I tend to go against. And uh, I find that the sweat hours for me are usually around 2 a.m my time pacific you know over on my servers and stuff like that uh whereas some somewhere around like 10 p.m is like the funnest time and it's really chilled out and people are not necessarily on top of their p's and q's uh and i feel like the 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 time of the day playing a factor into who i'm playing against is something that was there before the mmr i feel uh you know, that being said, I'm not really entirely a fan of the MMR. Um, I am a fan of the blood point rewards that we get for the grades. But uh, and and I, I'm not like a game developer either. So I really don't know what they could do uh, to remedy the MMR thing, because I know a lot of people have really been not having a good time as a result of MMR. And I get it. Um, and. I don't know. I kind of part of me feels like things were better when it was the ranking system that it was before, as opposed to the MMR that they switched to. But I think the devs have made it pretty clear that they don't want to switch back to what it was before. Like the MMR is here to stay. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I know a lot of people don't like it. But it is what it is. So you're chasing a survivor and you come up to a window or pallet loop. How do you use your phasing to mind game? Uh... Give me an example. Give me an example of a tile. Okay, so you're coming up to the killer shack and you go into the first door where the survivor has the opportunity to jump the jump the window. Okay, am I going from the side with the pallet or the side without the pallet? So you're going to the side without the pallet because that's the optimal route that the survivor will take. Right, further from the window. Well, so they'll they'll either take the window or they'll take the pallet. Right. Okay. So from that 
from that scenario, what I would do is, uh, assuming that I've already reached the point of the, well, honestly, by that point, what I'll do is before I even reach the doorway of that side of the killer shack, cause that's the doorway that's further from the window than the doorway that has the pallet, which is closer to the window. So, uh, before I get to the doorway, I'll try and get as close to it as I can showing my red light. And then I will hit my phase and try to phase back from where I came and meet them around at the window where, you know, they'll either vault the window or they won't vault the window. And if they don't vault the window, then they win that mind game. Alternatively, what I could do is show my red light at the doorway, begin phase and actually phase into the killer shack and either try to hit them on their way out of the window or, you know, try to hit them as they're baiting the window and going towards the pallet. And uh, like those are the two main options, but like it's a 50 50, a lot of people would say about spirit back in the day. And it kind of still is in a lot of ways, unless if you're really keen to the audio cues as a survivor. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I like about spirit that kept me around for spirit, honestly, where it's like there there are multiple ways to accomplish what you want to accomplish and nothing is set in stone or guaranteed. And uh, it keeps things up in the air enough where. Uh, not only is it a gamble, it's a prediction based thing. And a lot of the time it's based on what the survivor is doing. I have to watch the survivor and how they're playing to know what the right choice to make in that situation is. Some survivors will be more gung ho about it and they will vault that window typically, whereas other survivors will do a lot of baiting. They will bait windows. They will never drop shack pallet. They will always, you know, do this, that or the other thing that is just the way they play. So when you get used to that, you know, there are different ways to do that. Uh, you know, you could also moonwalk, turn around, approach the doorway and then try to cut in and, you know, catch them off guard by not showing the red light and try and hit them at the window. Uh, you know, there, there's these these are usually the main go to choices that I would do, though. Uh, but as far as phasing is concerned, yeah, there's a lot of 50 50s involved and it's it's mostly prediction. Uh, I think it's like first prediction, second audio and then. uh. Yeah, I mean, unless if there's like a third factor. For me, it's prediction first to give me a sense of direction of where I think I want to go. And I'll start moving in that direction. And then if I hear something that makes me either confirm or deny that my prediction was correct while I'm still phasing, then I'll adjust accordingly or not adjust as as I need to, you know. If that makes any sense. Yeah, certainly does. So I think we went over this in um, a previous question, like the advice to newer players, but we'll go, I'll go over it again. Uh, do you use your phasing to close distance from point A to point B? Like a, you, a survivor's in the distance, you want to get closer to them, you phase to them, or is it worth saving it to use that mind games and loops specifically? It depends on how far they are, and it depends on how patient or impatient I am. In other words, it depends on how well or unwell the match is going for me. Uh, you know, if we're just now starting a match, uh, you know, and I find someone really quickly and they happen to be far away. Yeah, there's no real need to phase up for that. Um, you know, if I'm approaching someone working on a gen, I'll try and get as close as I can and then maybe I'll do a phase or something like that. But uh, getting from point A to point B is like a desperation move phase, in my opinion. Like, you got to get to that gen and, you know, your pop is gonna run out because you know 45 seconds you only got 45 seconds to use that pop and it's almost gone blah, blah 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 oh this survivor has been you know looping really well and now they suddenly 
made a they did a really good play and now they got super mad distance on you all of a sudden you got to catch up to them because you don't know anybody else you could be chasing you don't see them anywhere around or they're all on the other side of the map anyway and you're stuck in the corner at the killer shack then you know do a long phase you know a, a long phase is what i call it and uh i think long phases are really more of like a desperation thing that i don't do unless if i feel like i really need to and it's not often that i need to honestly so a few months back there was a major rework to the spirit what's your opinion on the changes and do you miss the prayer beads because i know i do right so wait you said you missed the prayer beads but uh the the most recent change that they did to spirit uh they changed the name of the add-on prayer beads but not what it does so i assume you're talking about the old old prayer beads where it made yeah. completely silent see now unfortunately even though i've got 3k hours i started playing when pyramid head came out so i wasn't even around for the whole like you know the magnificence of <laughs> old old prayer beads um but that being said um i'm i'm cool with the changes honestly uh the changes to in the changes to her power where people can hear me i'm okay with that it's it's a little sad i can't stand still tech and tell the survivor to do it at the window i can't grab off of gens as easily as i used to that uh, unfortunate but i can live with that it's what they did to her add-ons that is just disgraceful i am so very i i i do not like what they did to her add-ons all right I, I don't understand why they kept mother daughter ring and yakuyoki or, or specifically mother daughter ring that's the real problem child of spirits add-ons and something that people have complained about for a long time about her and yet they kept that around but they got rid of all of her greens or like the vast majority of her greens which were great and a uh, like a favorite her greens her green add-ons were a favorite of myself and many spirit mains that I've come to know and become friends with. Uh, and uh, I have yet to talk to or meet a spirit main who's just like, oh, yeah, we didn't need those green add-ons. The new green add-ons they added are really pog. Those are great. No, I've yet to hear a single spirit tell me that. Other than maybe the rare occasion like Sunday morning or Sunday driver of spirit where someone occasionally plays spirit and they might say like, hey, well, I tried this add on one time and I had a pog moment, but it's like it's not generally pog. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with what they did to her power. I'm very much so not happy with what they did with her add ons. If I were them, I would have got rid of uh, Yakuyoki, Mother Daughter Ring and uh you know made those into some gimmicky whatever nonsense that they wanted to mess around with and then just keep the greens where they were but you know is what it is yeah that's my general opinion about it unless if there was something else that i'm missing no so you're not going to be able to like see this part playing as the killer um i don't see a lot of spirits playing as survivor that ever since their changes i think they're play rate has probably dropped down a little bit but i think the dev says to think about while she's phasing you can see dust being kicked up off the ground to try and help where she is have you ever noticed that yourself right so uh okay so first of all when it comes to the dust thing they originally planned on making that a thing i mean when they made an announcement that they were changing spirit i played i i paid very close attention to what they were announcing and doing and what they implemented and what ended up being put into play and put into the work and uh from what i saw from their notes they originally planned on having 
spirits phase audible in a directional sense, which they succeeded in doing. And they were also going to add dust kicking. That was in the original notes that they put, you know, before the PTB came out and stuff like that or whatever. And uh, before the PTB went live as well. That was part of their plan all along. But what ended up happening was uh, due to bugginess and uh, the code not working or something along those lines, according to them, based on what I read, I remember, it said something along the lines of it wasn't working and that they were going to, you know, work on fixing the dust so that the dust would kick up. And in the meantime, uh, watch, you know, how spirit performs after the changes they already had going and determine later on whether or not the dust was necessary or not. And, uh, you know, thankfully, up until this point, it seems that they have determined it's not necessary because as it stands right now, there is no dust kicking from the spirit when she phases. Uh, now, you can see when she's phasing visibly because currently, uh, for whatever reason, her character model doesn't move. Her husk doesn't move when she's phasing. It suddenly becomes stiff and still while she's phasing so that's like a visible tell that she's phasing and that along with the audibility that you can hear you can hear the directionality so survivors have plenty of information i don't really think they need dust i think that would be overkill um now the other thing that you mentioned is not seeing a lot of spirits as a survivor i do understand that because i really wish i played against more spirits when i play survivor i do play a decent amount of survivor i got all my tome challenges done if that's worth anything and every time a new tome uh, little segment comes up, I always make sure to get all the challenges done, survivor and killer side. So, you know, I like to keep myself in the loop. I think it's important to play both sides so you understand, uh, have a little sympathy for both sides and understand what works from both sides. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Something about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a survivor, I wish I played against Spirit more because I think it's really cool. Like, that's the thing I fell in love with at first sight with spirit her animations and i don't really get to see a lot of that when i play spirit but it's, it's all right but what's unfortunate is that yeah uh i never played against many spirits before her big change and after the big change it's just been worse less spirits to go against and uh yeah stuff like that i don't know if you guys remember that there was also a change where spirit used to have collision while phasing and then they removed that i don't remember it either i don't remember Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He brought up old prayer beads, but Spirit used to have collision while phasing. And then they took that away at some point. I don't remember that either. So that was something I had to adjust for, too. I remember, um, I don't know if it was just a silly uh, like rumor started around, but people used to say you can tell she's phasing because the glass shards in her like slightly glowed blue. Oh, man. That is like, that is like paranormal activity level picking apart. Like, yeah. I never noticed any of that. Like, I don't even I don't even know if that was actually a thing. Some people would swear that it's real. I can't confirm that. But I do know that her husk becomes extremely stiff and just doesn't even move at all anymore when she phases. So, you know, that whole thing is laid to rest, too. I mean, I also happen to use the one outfit spirit has that doesn't have the shards in her. So even if they could tell off of that, they wouldn't be able to tell that off of me. Ah. Well, if you can make any tweaks to Spirit, what would they be? Give her back her green add-ons and uh, get rid of Mother Daughter Ring. And that's about it. I think otherwise she's fine. Uh, you know, some people argue, well, she's not S-tier anymore. It's like, 
Fillers don't need to be S tier, and she has a chase power that's more than you could ask for, honestly. I think she's fine. I just wish she had her green add-ons back. That's about it. So what counterplay do you see being used against you when playing the spirit? Okay. Uh, first of all, unpredictability. Changing up your... Uh, like, like, remember I mentioned the prediction at the killer shack in that one scenario, right? Uh, yeah. If I notice a survivor is baiting every window they go to and like greeting every pallet that they come up to, then it really hurts when they suddenly to start. They suddenly start to decide, okay, now I'm vaulting windows. Now I'm dropping pallets. I'm pre-dropping pallets. Like once they change their game, it like really throws me off. Uh, personally and then another counterplay is uh probably gonna sound really really silly but it's honest to god true counterplay to spirit shift w shift w whenever you feel like you might have a chance <laughs> to you know have the spirit mind gaming herself at some loop and what ends up happening is like i said do, what are you gonna do are you going to just follow the survivor at 110 movement speed and take forever to just manually get up to them or are you gonna get desperate and do a long phase and suddenly you're chasing a survivor with no power anyway because you have to wait for your power to get off of cooldown uh yeah like stay mobile don't stay married to a tile it's not really like a lot of a lot of times as a survivor myself included you'll find yourself like trying to stick to a tile or a tnl wall and seeing how long you can really run that loop uh you know without taking a hit and pride yourself on that but you know the best of the best will always know how to link different loops together go from a tnl to a jungle gym to a killer shack to stuff like that like all that and uh you can do that probably even more so against a spirit if you do it in an unpredictable manner as well and it can really hurt a spirit it could really hurt a spirit um yeah and then as a spirit and as a killer in general i wanted to bring a small point of uh context to that killer shack uh situation where you mentioned it's the most efficient way for a survivor to run the shack where they curve around in that direction from the far doorway that's further away from the window and doesn't have the shack pallet as the killer you should really be the one in charge of dictating which direction a loop is going in. And I think killers need to also keep that in mind, too. I think that's good for any killer and, yeah, spirit included, sure. But, you know, maybe with your phases, you could think of it that way, too. Uh, like, the survivor is going to run away from the direction that you're chasing them. And if you decide to suddenly change direction, then that mind game is on you. And you're now determining what direction the survivor is running a loop in. So, uh you know, as a survivor, if you see the killer, especially a spirit doing something like that, you know, they might be setting you up into making a predictable move where, you know, they, they call this zoning, where you're zoning the survivor, you know, hopefully trying to get them into a dead zone or get them into a corner where if they drop a pallet on me, I'm better off if they have a wall behind them as opposed to the entire of the map, the entirety of the map behind them that they could shift W to and find another loop to uh, go around. So. Yeah, as a survivor, unpredictability, uh, switching up which loops you're at, shift Wing, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, obviously teamwork at the end of the day, uh, you know, it takes, what, 80 seconds for a survivor to do a gen. And it takes, I believe, 47 seconds for two survivors to do a gen. 40 seconds if they have uh, proved thyself, you know, teamwork, working together, doing the gens. It's 
it's not impossible to win against a spirit in the past and especially now. So yeah, and oh, wear headphones. Yeah, that's another counterplay to spirit. It's funny, actually. I want to mention real quick. People used to say, "Oh, spirit's so easy. All you have to do is wear headphones." And now, the counterplay to spirit is, "Oh, the counterplay is so easy. Just wear headphones." <laughs> the only pay-to-win killer by headphones. Right. Well, thank you very much for being here. We really do appreciate it. Good thing. Yeah, thank you for coming by, T Scholar. You've been a you've been a pleasant a pleasant guest. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. If you have listened to the end, we would like to thank you. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, then please subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, then please consider giving us a review. This really helps our show get out there. And for most of the platforms, you can just simply give us a rating. This interview was recorded on patch 5.5.2. I would like to thank T Scholar for the interview, myself, Jamie Lee 2K and Tofa for co-hosting the interview and for being a part of the intro. All links will be in the description of the podcast and we look forward to you here in the next one.